following audio is from Covenant Life Fellowship. And for, for more information about our church and to stay up to date on all sermons, events, and news, please visit our website at www.clfroseburg.com. Good morning, everybody. For those of you who may not know me, and I'm sure there's some of you, my name is Luis, and uh, I've been a member here at CLF for almost 10 years. I uh, was on staff here for about five of those 10, and um, uh, our family, we had about a four-year uh, hiatus from being here when we were up in Seattle, Washington, where I was pastoring a church, and God, in his uh, wisdom, uh, brought us back to Roseburg. But let me say that I, I love this church. This is a special place. Now, um, uh, Robert Sidlow reminded us that our elders have been uh, away this weekend in their annual elder retreat. They've been reviewing this year, looking ahead at next year, praying for you, how they can serve you and uh, continue to see the gospel go forward in our community. So let me encourage you again uh, to pray for uh, our elders and their families. Now, they're not here this morning, so I'm going to brag on them for a second because they would not let me do this if they were here, okay? Um, God has blessed this church with a group of uh, under-shepherds who really, really care about you, who, who adore and cherish the gospel, and we are blessed. These men have uh, encouraged me, they've prayed for me, they've supported me, they have challenged me, they have discipled me. They've mentored me. Uh, these men have uh, held me accountable. They've confronted me. Uh, this is a, a, a great group of men and their families. They're definitely not perfect, uh, but we are blessed. So my encouragement is pray for them today as they wrap up their time away. Okay? Now, I know it's uh, a few days away but let me start by wishing everybody here a, uh, an early happy Thanksgiving. All right? So let me get the temperature of the room. This didn't go my way earlier today, but let's see how it goes today. Which do you prefer, Thanksgiving versus Christmas? Okay? So if you prefer Thanksgiving, raise your hand. Like all 10 of us, that's fine. <laughs> if you prefer Christmas, go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, same story. Well, my answer to that question, for me personally, is that Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not dissing Christmas. I love Christmas. I love the season of Advent. I love remembering and celebrating all that God did for us in the giving of His Son, Jesus. I love Christmas traditions. I love Christmas lights, I love gift giving and gift receiving, but Thanksgiving is definitely my favorite holiday, and here is the reason. There are no expectations around Thanksgiving. For some reason, it feels like there's tons of pressure around the Christmas season, and I know that a lot of it is commercial and social, so it really shouldn't matter, but I just don't like that. But for Thanksgiving, there is no pressure, no expectations. It's just chill. All it is is food, family, friends, Dallas Cowboys football, 
in gratitude. And I love it. Now, about three-fourths of the room just checked out. So I'm going to try to rein us in. Why am I talking about Thanksgiving right now? When Pastor Dave asked me to preach uh, about a month ago or so, I asked him uh, what series we would be on, what text we would be on, to which he replied this. And I think this is on the screen. He said this to me. This is a literal quote. He said, I want you to preach something on gratitude since it's Thanksgiving week. Now listen, my, my knee-jerk reaction, as much as I love this holiday, was to think that it was a little corny to preach on gratitude the Sunday before Thanksgiving. But then I started to think about the past two years. I thought of the various things that we've experienced culturally. Um, this seemingly never-ending pandemic, these mandates that have affected people that I love, the palpable division around politics, the tension around issues of race. And then I, then I thought about the past two years personally. Um, literally four months ago, I was flat in an ICU bed at Mercy Medical Hospital. Our family has been coming out of this difficult transition where uh, relationships were broken and are still trying to be reconciled. Uh, we had family members who passed away. We had literally, in a span of like two months in 2020, uh, we had uh, one of our uh, grandparents pass away. I spilled a whole mug of coffee in my computer on a Wednesday four days before I had to preach a sermon. Totally killed it. Um, like two weeks later, the transmission in our car went out, and there was tons of pressure around this issue of COVID. It was hard. Then we received a diagnosis of cancer for one of our family members. So needless to say, the past couple of years have been hard. And as I evaluated, as I thought about my heart posture towards the events of the past two years, the truth is that I have not personally been thankful in the circumstances that we have experienced, which the Lord allowed for us to go through. Instead of gratitude, I've been marked by grumbling. Instead of thankfulness, I've been marked by cynicism and criticism and complaints. I read an article this week that said this. It said, gratitude is the accent of heaven and grumbling is the accent of hell. So as I looked at my life, it, it was pretty evident that I am the one that needed this message this morning. Anybody else? Am I in the right room today? <laughs> yeah. And to top things off, last week I heard Bill Hurt's message where he walked us through how him and his family uh, walked this unbelievably painful trial of cancer with Linda. And it was so convicting and encouraging and good all at the same time. And so we're going to talk about gratitude this morning, thankfulness. We're going to look at one verse in one of Paul's letters this morning, and we're going to tear it apart 
And we're going to see what God would say to us this morning. And here is why I landed in this text from the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a man who was marked by gratitude. There are 13 letters from Paul in the New Testament, and in nine of them, he explicitly gives thanks for the recipients of the letter. You can see uh, the references on the screen. There are two exceptions, or a few exceptions rather, which are 2 Corinthians, where Paul jumps right in to comfort this struggling church. 1 Timothy and Titus are another exception where Paul's gratitude for these men was implicit in the letter. And Galatians, who was a church who was in danger of apostasy, so the apostle Paul jumps right in to correct what was happening in Galatia. And now you, you have to remember that, that Paul's life was not an easy one. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 28, which you can look at later, we are told that Paul was beaten, that he was slandered, that he was misunderstood, that he was imprisoned, that he was shipwrecked, that he was literally stoned, that he was whipped and stressed and opposed by someone almost everywhere he went. But nevertheless, Paul the Apostle was profoundly grateful. Which shows us that being grateful has little to do with our circumstances. Yes, it is easier to be happy when everything is working out. But I'm sure that we've all known people who seem to have everything and yet at the same time are unbelievably unhappy. Can you think of somebody like that? And on the other hand, we've all known people who seem to find hitting blessing and purpose in the midst of every difficulty. Can you think of somebody like that? And so here's the question for us. Which are we, grumblers or grateful people? Grumbler or grateful? Think of the godliest people that you may know, the ones you most respect. And I'm almost certain that the people you're thinking of are thankful people. Despite his many earthly reasons to complain, Paul was constantly giving thanks to God. So I would encourage you, I would encourage you this morning to to jot down these verses on the screen or, or take a picture of the screen here in a second and take some time this week to read them and review them and then take notice of the things that Paul was giving thanks for. It was not mainly for food or for health or for safety, which he needed all those things, but mainly he was giving thanks for the gospel. Now, yes, it is absolutely appropriate and right to thank God for the million different gifts of grace that he gives us every day. A family, a house, a job, good health, etc. But, but this list... In this list, Paul reminds us of the greatest gift that you and I have been given, which is the gospel of Jesus, gospel faith, gospel partnerships, and gospel victory. So again, I would encourage you, take some time this week to to review these verses, to read them, and to consider your heart. Now, with all that said, let's uh, 
read our text for this morning and see what the Lord would say to us. So if you can, grab your Bibles, open them up to the book of First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. And if you can, please stand for the reading of God's Word. So again, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we love you, God. We, we worship you. We honor you this morning. That's the reason why we're here. You're it. We're here to worship. We're here to glorify you, God. We're here to exalt you and make much of who you are and what you've done, Lord. And Father, I pray that as we uh, open up your word, would you speak to us, Lord? Uh, would you meet your people? I pray that your spirit would, would lead us and guide us into all truth. I pray, God, that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word, to see the beauty of Christ and your holiness, God. Father, I pray for myself, Lord. There is nothing in my own strength that will have any eternal value unless you empower it, Lord. So would you do that this morning? Speak to us, Lord. Speak to your people, minister to them the only, in, 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 the, in, the only, in the way that only you can do that, Lord. And we commit this time to you. Amen. Okay, let's start with a question here. What is the distinctive nature of Christian thanksgiving? And I, I asked this question because... Like I said a second ago, I am sure that we all know people or can think of people who don't follow Jesus that we would describe as thankful people. A, a few names come up right off the bat. So, so what is different about Christian Thanksgiving? What is, what is unique about this joyful and thankful attitude of heart that God in his word exhorts you and I to have into evidence. What's, what's different about it? What's unique about it? What's the source of our gratitude? Well, that's what I want to encourage us to think about this morning. So let's, let's dive right in. You know, when you read the words of Paul here, this verse sounds good. It sounds right, it sounds biblical, it sounds Christian, it sounds beautiful, and it is all those things. But you may be tempted, if you're anything like me, to, to tack on the word but to the end of that sentence. Yes, Luis, it sounds beautiful, it does sound good, it sounds right, it does sound Christian, it does sound spiritual, but come on, man. It just is not, it's not practical. Anybody in that camp, I know for sure that I was there. The theory sounds good, but, but this is just not, not going to work. Now, church, listen, I know this, this simple verse is this profoundly 
difficult thing that Paul is asking us to do. And, and here's the reality. Paul, and, and really God, is serious about this command. Thanksgiving is, in a certain way, again, easy to do when you are blessed, but it can be very difficult to do when it seems that there are trials and difficulty everywhere you look, and still, in those things, we are commanded to give thanks. We're going to see three things in this one little verse, this tiny but difficult and beautiful command that Paul is giving us. The first thing I want us to see is that Paul tells us what we need to do, which is in all circumstances, we as Christian people are to give thanks. Then we're going to see why. Why should we be people that are marked by gratitude? And Paul will say to us, for this is the will of God for you. And finally, we're going to see the how. How do we do this? And Paul gives us the how in three words, in Christ Jesus. So let's look at the command. Here is what we need to do. Our text says, in all circumstances, give Thanks. Paul is simply telling us that in every circumstance of life, no matter whether it is joyful or painful, we are to be a thankful people. That our lives in every circumstance, whether, whether good or bad, our, that our lives should be marked by gratitude. Paul is saying that our thanksgiving, that our gratitude, though it may be prompted prompted from time to time by the goodness of our circumstances, that it should not be defined by the goodness of our circumstances. It may be prompted, but our gratitude is never to be defined simply by the goodness of how things are going. Rather, Christian thanksgiving is to be derived from a different source. And therefore, in every circumstance, whether it is good or bad, whether that circumstance is uh, delightful or difficult, we are to give thanks. Now, I want to pause for a second and say this clearly, and I want you to notice in the text what Paul does not say. If you look at your Bibles, Paul does not say, for all circumstances, give thanks. Now that's important. What does Paul say? He says, in all circumstances, give thanks. Now, church, there are some circumstances in our lives. There are some circumstances in your lives this morning for which it would be improper to give thanks for. You may have found yourself on the receiving end of some evil, some sin, some personal evil, some impersonal evil or sin for which God is not asking you to give thanks. Paul is not saying to the people who have lost loved ones, for example, like those folks who lost family members or friends on 9-11 and say, thank you, God, that my loved one was killed. 
That's not what Paul is saying or asking us to think or to do or to pray. But Paul is saying, rather, that in every circumstance, no matter how catastrophic, that we are to give thanks because God is at work. Again, to be clear, Paul does not say to give thanks for all things, but to give thanks in all things. Let me give you an example in the story of a woman named Helen Keller. Some of you may know or are familiar with her story, but this is a bit of her story. Helen Keller was born in 1882, and when she was 19 months old, this beautiful little girl, she caught a fever that ravaged through her body and that left her without sight and without the ability to hear. All of a sudden, she was locked into a world of darkness and silence, but she was determined, and she was extremely smart. Helen Keller was so determined so focused to be able to connect with the outside world that she figured out a way to be able to communicate to her family the things that she wanted. When she wanted a piece of bread, she would make a hand motion as if she were cutting a piece of bread to let her family know. When she wanted ice cream, she would wrap her arms around herself and she would shiver. And she, on her own, developed about 60 different motions that she could do in order to communicate with her family, but it frustrated her as she understood that people communicated with their lips and she could not do that. As she grew up, she became angry and violent because of her frustration. She would smash things, she would throw things, and she would just lose control. At age seven, her parents got her a tutor to help her learn to communicate. And very key and instrumental in Helen Keller's ability to to cope and deal with this situation was her trust and faith in God. Now listen, church, a person in this situation would be very tempted to become bitter and angry. And the last thing that would be on your agenda or mine for a person like this might be gratefulness or thankfulness. And I think we would all understand. But I want you to listen to what Helen Keller once said. She said this, and this is on the screen. For three things, I thank God every day of my life. Thanks that he has granted me knowledge of his works, Deep thanks that he has set in my darkness the light of faith. Deepest thanks that I have another life to look forward to. A life joyous with light and flowers and heavenly song. Now, this gal may not have been thankful for the circumstances that God had dealt to her, but she was thankful in that circumstance because she knew that God had a purpose for her. And that is precisely what what Paul is saying to you and to me. Here is the command. In every circumstance, church, give thanks. Now, look at the second thing with me. Why? Why should you and I obey this command? Why should we give thanks in every circumstance? And the answer is right here in verse 18. Paul says to us, give thanks in every circumstance for for this is God's will for you. You know, the Bible piles up tons of reasons for uh, 
why we should be thankful to God. The Psalms are a great example. In the Psalms, we learn that we give thanks to the Lord for he is good. We, we thank God because the sovereign God of the heavens and the earth is not some tyrant with this bad sense of humor. We, we thank God because he is a loving God that is good and who cares for us. The Psalms thank the Lord because he watches over us, he protects us, he spares us. The Psalms thank God because he redeems us and because he loves us. The Psalms thank God because he gives you and I good gifts and he establishes justice and he shows mercy. The Bible has this whole catalog for things which you and I ought to give thanks for. And Paul does not mean to exclude those things from this command. But here he says, give thanks. Be a person that is marked by gratitude. Why? Because this is God's will for you. This is a gospel command. Give thanks because this is God's will for you. And so the question is, well, what does that mean? Well, I think, or I would suggest it means at least three things. First, and this is definitely not profound, okay? It simply means that God wants you and I to give him thanks in all circumstances, and therefore we should just obey him. He wants our lives to be marked by gratitude. It's one of those things where God speaks, we respond. God commands it, therefore we obey it. It's just like when your mom or your dad said to you, son, daughter, eat your broccoli, and you asked why, and they answered you with that unbelievable phrase, because I said so. Again, this is not profound, but God said it, so we obey him. The second reason is that gratitude acknowledges and reminds us of who is the giver of all things. James chapter 1, verse 17 says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So gratitude acknowledges the giver. It, it reminds us of who God is. It encourages our humility, and it should move us to give God glory and honor. In church, that is the reason why we exist, to glorify God. This is God's will that your life, that my life would bring God great glory. The Bible speaks of this everywhere. And so our thanksgiving is really an act of worship. But there is one more thing behind this command, at least. Paul says, it is the will of God for you to give thanks in all circumstances because Paul is indicating to us just a few lines before in verse 16 that it is a part of God's grand design to create a joyful, rejoicing people. Look at verse 16. Paul simply says, rejoice always. God's purpose is not to create this shriveled up, shrill, ungrateful, grudging, miserly people. 
In God's great plan of redemption, one of the things that God wants to do is to enlarge our hearts and to show this unbelieving world what humanity was intended to be in the first place. And one of the things that humanity ought to have been in the view of the greatness of God and in the, in the view of God's gifts to his people was a thankful people. And Paul is now saying even though you live in this fallen, broken world in which there are many things which, you know, that we should not be thankful for, that should not overshadow in your experience the things for which we ought to be profoundly grateful. And therefore, it is God's will in his plan to create in you a heart large with thankfulness and gratitude, and therefore, we ought to give thanks. This is one thing that we should be praying for constantly as reminded in verse 17. Pray without ceasing that God would create in you a heart that is full of joy and gratitude. That God would create in us and mold in us this kind of heart. You know, church, as you study, if you study any church history, you will find that it was said that the joy in the midst of pain and persecution that was displayed by the early Christians often caused unbelieving people to say, I don't quite know what they have, but whatever it is, I want that. Theologian Billy Joel said this about 20 years ago. I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. And I think that what God would say is a little different. I think that it would go this way. I desire believers who portray in their lives a thankfulness, a joyfulness of heart in spite of circumstances that causes unbelievers to say, you know, I think I would rather cry with those saints than laugh with my friends who are sinners because those saints are this joyful, thankful people. And so the Apostle Paul says to you and me, give thanks in all things. Why? Because this is God's will for you and for me. Now the question that obviously comes to mind is how? Okay, I I understand the command. I I see the why. How? How am I supposed to obey this? How How do I do this? You don't understand my circumstance, Luis. And yes, you're right. I don't know your circumstance. I don't have the slightest clue of the circumstances in which God has called you to give thanks. In some of your lives, I may have a tiny sliver of an inkling, but I have really no idea how great a challenge it is for you to give thanks in your circumstances. You don't have any idea how great a challenge it is for me to give thanks sometimes. But the Apostle Paul tells us how, and it's right here in our verse in three words. How do we do this? We do this in Christ Jesus. It is only possible to express thanks to God in all things if you have faith and trust in Jesus, if you are in Christ. It is only in and through Jesus, empowered by his spirit, that we are able to give thanks in every circumstance. Let me give you an example. When I was pastoring a church in Seattle, I had a church member whose name was Steve Hansen. Steve was a dear member of my church. 
always happy, the kind of guy that just lights up the room, uh, always cracking a joke, just a, just a great guy. In May of 2019, Steve got diagnosed with four, stage four cancer in the liver. And basically the doctors gave him like, you've got about six months to live. And Steve, even through this diagnosis, he, he, he was always, he never gave up. He was determined to fight. And he was always still joyful. His sense of humor was sharp. He was always smiling. But what happened is I saw my friend Steve go from this healthy-looking man to becoming this skeleton, this walking skeleton of a person. The last two or three months that Steve was alive, caught him at church one morning before he was uh, stuck in home and on bedside, and he said to me, he asked me, he said, Luis, would you make time for me on Monday mornings? I know it's your day off, but would you come and spend some time with me at my house? And all I want you to do is I want you to read me scripture. And I said, absolutely, Steve, that'd be great. So every Monday morning, about 9 o'clock, I would go to Steve's house, and I would just sit next to him in his hospital bed by his side, and I would just open up the Bible, and I would just read to him the scriptures for about an hour. As, as things went from bad to worse, Steve wanted to continually be in God's word. The last day that I saw Steve, he opened his eyes, and he looked at me and said, Pastor, would you lead me in communion this morning? So I said, I got up, I went to the fridge, I grabbed whatever I could find, and I led Steve in communion. And I want to, I want to tell you that I, I wondered how many times, I wondered time and time again, how in the world could Steve remain faithful? I know myself. I would have been complaining. I would have been commiserating. But Steve wanted Jesus. And Paul tells you how. How was he able to do that? And the answer is because Steve, my friend, had seen the face of God in Christ. Steve knew the Lord. He had tasted. He had seen over a lifetime that God was good. So Steve was resting in his grace and he was able to give thanks. He was able to give thanks to God in that circumstance. It's just like what Augustine said many years ago. He said this, Lord, command what you will, but give what you command, which, which means this, Lord, I can't do the things that you tell me to do, but you can command them and then you can give me the ability to do what you command. And the Apostle Paul says this, you want me to give thanks in everything? You want to face difficulty with joy? Then you must trust in Jesus. You rest in him and what you will find is when that, so that when you are connected to him who is the spiritual source of the capacity to be thankful in every circumstance, then you'll be able to give thanks in all things. So may church, church, may God grant us that we be a thankful people. Now, 
before I keep going, I don't want to assume that everybody in this room has put their trust and their faith in Jesus. And so here is the gospel. Friend, we are rebels. We sin. We turn against a good and holy God. We pursue other things, other idols, seeking in them to give is what only God can give. And because God is holy, there are consequences for sin. Judgment, wrath, eternal death. But Jesus, Jesus lived the perfect life we could not live and won't. He perfectly fulfilled all of God's commands. He then died the death that we deserved in our place for our sin. And then he conquered our greatest enemies, death, sin, and the grave with his resurrection. And this, Jesus, he is the only way to life. Life eternal and the fullest life possible on this side of heaven. Because of Jesus, we are set free from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and one day we will be set free from the presence of sin. It's the greatest news in the universe, friend. The gospel is not just so that we can go to heaven to see our loved ones. The gospel, the good news, is that we, through Christ, are brought to God himself that our relationship with God is restored. And we who were once enemies and rebels become now friends of God. God himself is the gospel. God is the good news. What we gain most through the forgiveness of Jesus on the cross is God himself. In heaven, yes, but right now as well. So friend, if you would not call yourself a Christian, I would encourage you with this. Trust in Christ today. Trust in him. Turn to Jesus. Anybody in this room would love to talk to you. Those who invited you, ask them questions about Christ. Let them share with you. Okay, so to wrap things up, we've talked about the command. We've talked about the why. We've talked about the how. But the question really is, okay, so what does this look like? I, I kind of understand the theory, but Luis, can you give me an actual example that I, that I can kind of put my hands on? How is it possible to obey this verse and to give thanks in all circumstances, especially if our circumstances are horrible? What, what fuels thanksgiving and gratitude when life seems full of discouragement, disappointment, disease, disaster, and death one after another. Well, like I said, there is only one way, and Jesus is the way, and he shows us the way. So if you can, grab your Bibles and go with me to the book book of Luke, chapter 22. We're going to close with this. Luke 22, 19. And the best place to see... Jesus, showing us the way, is in the upper room, where on the night when Jesus was betrayed by one of his closest friends, this is what he did. Look at verse 19. And he took bread, 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, the Greek word for thanks in this verse is the Greek word eucharistio. And that's not how you pronounce it, but we're just going to go with it. And here is what this word means. This word has in it the root word for grace, which is charis. So think about this. Jesus took the bread, which represented his body, which was about to be broken. He was about to be murdered, beaten. And Jesus saw it as grace. Jesus saw it as a gift, and he gave thanks. So this word for thanks, again, Eucharistio, holds the Greek word for grace, charis, but it also holds its derivative, the Greek word kara, which means joy. So, so this word for things has two root words, charis, grace, and kara, joy. Now think for a second with me what Jesus' prayer of thanks actually meant. This is Jesus' prayer. Thank you, Father, that my body, symbolized by this bread, It's about to be brutally broken, and I am about to be momentarily damned by your wrath so that you will receive supreme glory in being able to forgive undeserving sinners. And I will share eternally full joy with hundreds of millions of forgiven sinners made righteous through my sacrifice. That's what Jesus was saying when he was saying thanks. Jesus' gratitude was not meant on his present circumstances because he was about to endure the worst imaginable horror. Yet he felt thankful to the Father for the grace and glory that was coming because of the cross, and this gave Jesus great joy. Jesus' Eucharistia was fueled by his belief in future grace. That's why the author of Hebrews wrote these words. Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus' eyes were on his future joy. He endured the cross by not focusing on that moment or that circumstance, but on the promised joy that would result from it. In church, that's where God wants your eyes. On the future joy that God has promised you. In the middle of all that you are going through, that is where your eyes ought to be. That is where our focus should be. And what is your future joy? The very best possible future you could ever imagine. You will have the free gift of complete forgiveness for all your sins extending into forever. You, Christian, will have, you will never have to merit your justification by keeping the law. You will receive all the grace you need at all times so that you will abound in every good work that God has for you. God will complete the good work he began in you. 
You will be raised from dead and never, ever to die again. This means that someday soon, you will see Jesus be with him and be like him. In that day, you will know for the first time full, unpolluted joy. You will be completely free from all pollution. You will have God forever as your exceeding joy. That's your future. And that's just a sampling. So the joy set before you and me is the same joy that Jesus had set before him because you are an heir to the kingdom with him. So right now you have trouble. And that's okay. Jesus said you would. And Jesus understands. But don't ever forget that the trouble that you endure has a purpose. First, it is shaping you. It is, it is forming you into the image of Christ. I had a dear pastor friend, Edward Paz, who said this. Remember how we ask God to work in our lives in more deep and profound ways. Remember how we asked God to conform us more into the image of Jesus. Well, God, God answered us. He gifted us 2020. So God is shaping you through your circumstances. Second, in your trouble, you are displaying the reality of Jesus to the world in a unique way. The kingdom of God is clearly shown on earth when Christians gratefully suffer present trouble because they see a future weight of glory coming that makes everything this world throws at them as light, momentary afflictions in comparison. So how can you give thanks in all things? There's only one way, in Christ. Look to the joy set before you. Don't focus on this world. Your best life is not now. And if the future joy Jesus promised you is real and you believe him, then there is no circumstance that can steal your thanksgiving. So whatever difficulty you are going through, this is as bad as it will ever get. And whatever joy you are going through, that is only but a shadow of what our eternal joy will be like. So may your circumstances, good or bad, delightful or painful, point us heavenward. And church, may our Thanksgiving celebration this week be soaked and marked by thankfulness, grace, and joy. Let's pray. Father, there is absolutely no way that we can obey this command on our own. So help us. We need you. Would you create in us a heart that is large with joy, a heart that is large with gratitude, God? And would you help us in all circumstances to be thankful? Thankful because you have a purpose, because you are shaping us and molding us to be more like Christ. Thankful that you're going to empower us and give us the grace we need to face those circumstances. And thankful that it's an opportunity, Lord, to be pointed heavenward. So would you do that work in us this morning, Lord? And I pray, Father, for those that may not know you, may you draw them to Jesus. May you give them the, the gift of faith 
And may, may folks put their trust in you this morning. So do your work, Lord, in us. And now we're going to worship you, Lord, because you deserve it. In Jesus' name. This sermon has been proudly given in response to cherishing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and subscribe to watch all our sermons online. For more information about Covenant Life Fellowship, visit us on the web at www.clfroseburg.com.